Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Just, just a moment of transparency. How many of y'all struggle with spending time with God daily? Raise your hand. Okay, so this is a good message. This is a good message. All right. All right, so I'm going to show you how, through scriptures and through some suggestions, um, how to spend time with God. If you would sacrifice time daily, and, and I, I use the word sacrifice um, loosely, because really, you think about it, spending time with someone you love is not really, really a whole lot of sacrifice, right? Because you want to be there. So it's a delight to spend time with God. But um, I do understand sacrificing time and, and effort uh, to spend time with the triune God. If you will do that, you'll begin to see the fruit of that time. You cannot spend time with God and not see, not reap a benefit from that time. Truly spend time with God. Time with God is not wasted time. Everybody say that time with God is not wasted time. You do not spend, you do not waste time when you're in his presence. No, no, don't, you don't have to say that. Uh, you, 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 are, you don't waste time when you're in his presence. I, you, you, coming to church is not a waste of time. Le- reading your Bible and praying and, and even fasting is not a waste of time. Clark Sisters had a song years ago called, um, Is My Living in Vain? Is my living in vain? Is my um, going to church in vain? Is my praying or my hallelujahs in vain? None of those things are in vain. And so you will never go wrong with spending time with God. Your life will actually be better. Everybody say better. Better. Not bitter, but better. Yeah, better. God desires for his children to spend time with him every single day. Do you believe that? Every single day, God, you know, if you're in a relationship with someone, they want time. Likewise, if you're in a relationship with God, he wants time. He wants time with you. And I, I'm, I'm just going to show you some things and give you some tools of, of how to spend time alone in his presence. How do we do this? And how do we do this effectively? Now, you can spend time supposedly with God and you walk away worse off than you did before you got there. It's not that you spend time with God. It's just you spend time with yourself. Um, the Bible talks about uh, two men who went down in prayer and one prayed with himself and the other actually cried out for mercy and met the God of mercy and God pardoned them mercy. And so there is, it's possible for you to pray in the flesh and that's all you get is prayers in the flesh. You can read the Bible in the flesh. You can fast in the flesh. What, what are you talking about, Pastor Dwayne? In other words, it could be dead works. It could be something that you're doing, but it's, there's no life. God is not really ministering to you or you're not really in his presence. So I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm talking about actually meeting with God on purpose daily. So you do have an appointment every single day to meet with God. Whether you keep that appointment or not, that's up to you. Do not have the Lord say, 
as the old Larnell Harris song, I Miss My Time With You. Those moments that he's, he's waiting there, that old familiar place. And sometimes you may have a familiar place. Some people call it prayer closet. Uh, I don't know too many people today that actually have a closet where they go in and pray, but it's okay if you do. Or maybe it's, it may be in, a, in your car right before you go into work. Maybe, and then there's times, and don't get me wrong, we, we should pray on the go. But you've got to curve out some time with just you and God that is not, you're not doing something else. I've been guilty of just praying on the go. I mean, I'm a good, I, I think I have, I, I might got a B minus in that, you know, I'm pretty good with praying on the go. I mean, I can pray, but that, that alone time where you, it's just you and him. That's the time that the enemy wants to distract you from. That's the time that your flesh I mean, have you ever wondered when you start to read the Bible, you get sleepy? So if you ever struggle with sleep, just open your Bible and start reading and you'll go to sleep. The devil will make sure you get real sleepy. But you can sit and watch television for two and a half hours and not miss a beat, right? Or you can look at the Internet or you could do something else or do your favorite hobby. And you're like, you got the energy, but it's that time alone with God. So let me give you some Practical things. Go with me to Psalm 16, Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm 16. So today's message is called Alone in His Presence. Psalm 16, verse 11. It should be a familiar passage. It says, you have made known to me the path of life. In your what? Presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So in the Lord's presence, there is this fullness of joy. There's joy that like you've never known before. How many can use some more joy? I don't know about you. I need some more joy. I need some more peace. I need some more faith. I need, I need all of the fruit of the spirit in operation. I, I need to increase in the fruit of the spirit. And so in his presence, there is joy that you don't even know of the fullness of joy. I think we have um, little glimpses or little drops of joy, but there is a whole lot more of joy that we have yet to experience. Peter talked about having joy unspeakable. So you're so full of joy. You can't even talk about it. You're, you're just full to overflowing. You're in awe. Jesus talked about, I'll give you joy that the world can't take away. Now, if the world takes away your joy, that means that's not Jesus' joy. Jesus' joy is joy that cannot be taken away from the world. I mean, the world cannot take it away from you. Circumstances cannot take it away from you. Sometimes we base our joy on what's happening in our lives. Or we place our joy in our security or in our efforts. But God has joy that, that is everlasting. Joy that will cause you to have a smile on your face, a song in your heart, a praise on your lips. In his presence, there's 
fullness of joy. So that, that's where your solution, that's, that's, that's the solution for life right there. To get in his presence. Now, not everyone who gets in his presence will respond the same. Some will come away with a hardening of hearts. Some will have a more open heart. People say, oh, we just got to get people into the presence. No, it's not just getting into this presence because the person can respond in a way that their heart is actually hardened. Think about the people who walked with Jesus. Think about Judas. He walked with the Son of God. God manifested in the flesh. God incarnated. He walked with Jesus, and yet his heart was hardened. There is, so it's not just, let's get people into a worship. That's why you can't just have worship. Churches that, that major on worship alone are out of balance. They're in error. Quiet on that. <laughs> you got to have word. You got to have worship. You got to have the Lord's Supper. You got to have church discipline. You got to have community. You got to have accountability. Come on. <laughs> the Christian life is not just one single thing. If I, if, I, if I got this, this is the key of all keys. It's the, it doesn't happen that way. God desires, again, for his children to spend time with him daily. So as God's mouthpiece, as God's prophet today, I say to you that God desires for you to spend time with him daily. And if you're not, he's missing that time. James chapter 4, let's go over there. James chapter 4. I don't have a lot, a lot of scriptures but I do have some. James chapter 4. That's after the book of Hebrews. James chapter 4. Let's look at verse 8. Verse 8. James chapter 4, verse 8 says this. Draw near to God, and he will draw what? Near to you. The latter part says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So let's major on the first part. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is one of the greatest promises in the Bible. Highlight that. Memorize that. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If we would make the effort to draw near to God, then he will draw near to us. So in Christianity, there is a Godward side and there is a human side. Have you ever noticed that? There is a Godward side and there is a human side. Some people in the body of Christ, what they do is they'll take, oh, it's all up to God. How many ever heard that? Oh, God is sovereign and we believe in the sovereignty of God, but that misunderstanding of the sovereignty of God is like, Whatever it is, it's because God is behind it. Have you ever heard that? It's not the case. It's not just God's responsibility. We also have a responsibility. Now, there's some in the body of Christ, they'll say, oh, we have to do all these things. Oh, let me do this, let me do this, let me do this, let me do this. And it's all these things, and there's God is not involved in it. So the balance is, you got a part to do, and God has a part to do. And here, God is responding to what we do. 
If we draw near, he's going to draw near to us. If you make the effort every single day to spend time with God, he's going to meet you at that place. If you don't, he's not near. Now, in a sense, omnipresence, he is there. He's everywhere at the same time. At, you know, he's, he's that big. But his manifested presence is not everywhere. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. If we'll make one step, he'll make what? Two. There is nothing that um, can, there's nothing that can beat this deal. Okay, let me give you, give me some, I'm going to take a side journey, just a couple seconds, a mo moments. If you call on the Lord, he'll save you. He doesn't save people that, he, you, that doesn't call upon him. Have you noticed that? Though salvation is for everyone, but you got to do something. You got to believe and call. If you don't put your hands to work, there's nothing for him to bless. He says he'll bless the work of your hands. So if you don't put anything, your hands to anything, guess what? There's nothing to bless, right? He said that he'll bring to remembrance all the things that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will bring to remembrance all the things that Jesus has spoken. But if you don't know what Jesus has spoken, there's nothing for him to bring to your remembrance. Are you getting with me? If you don't honor the Lord with your finances, then there is you are actually controlling the amount of what God can bless you financially. All right. The scripture says give, and what, what's the latter part? It shall be given unto you, right? Press down, shaking together, run over. And the scripture, the old, well, not scripture, but the old folks used to say, you can't beat God given. So if you give, God's going to give back to you. All right? Uh, let, let's, let's look at some other. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Right? If, if a child does that, then they have the promise they'll have well days and they'll live long on the earth. What's the opposite? Children, disobey your parents in the Lord. You will have messed up days and you'll have short days on earth. Give and it shall be given unto you. Not only, it's not limited to only finances, but give kindness, give joy give something right you give of yourself if you don't give guess what's not going to happen it's not going to be given unto you another scripture says do unto others what as you will have them do unto you right so you sow and then you're what but if you don't sow there is no all right Oh, I want somebody to give me a thousand dollars. Well, did you, have you ever given someone a thousand dollars? I want I want some friends. The Bible says, "He that has friends must first show himself friendly." So you got to sow friendship in order to reap friendship. If you don't have any friends today, it's your own fault. You got to sow friendships. I mean, I have friends in almost every state because <laughs> I show myself friendly to people. I can call people up and say, hey, what's up, man? I'm coming down. 
When I was single, I need a place to stay. Can I sleep on your couch? <laughs> I was trying to hook um, the Johnsons up <laughs> as they travel to Cali. I said, I got a friend there. I got a friend there. Oh, they'll treat you well there. Oh, they'll treat you like kings and queens. <laughs> right? Then I told y'all that. Y'all didn't call me, though. <laughs> You're like, we don't know those folks. You know. <laughs> if I see the people, they're good people. They ain't going to, you know, they ain't going to treat you right. All right. <laughs> so let's go back. So you draw near to God, and he's going to draw near to you. You spend time with God, he's going to spend time with you. You bless him, he'll bless your day. Now, now, that doesn't mean that if you don't spend time with God, you're not blessed. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you're going to experience some things that you're not going to experience if you don't spend time with him. Go, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First, alone in his presence. Everybody say alone in his presence. I thought I was going to speak about family worship today, but we're actually going to talk about it to next week. I realized how can you have family worship when you don't even have alone worship? It doesn't make sense for me to teach about family worship when you don't even, you're not even spending time with God by yourself. First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter one, verse nine says, God is faithful. Everybody say God is faithful. You can count on the faithfulness of God every single day. He's going to be faithful to you to the very end. He's going to guide you even to the point of death until, until you die. He's going, to, um, he's going to forgive you every time you confess your sins. Notice that. You remember it says there's a God side and there's a human side. If we confess our sins, then what? He is what? Faithful to what? To forgive us and to. So he does more than what we do. He, so if you give your you give your sins to him or you acknowledge your sins, he's not only going to forgive you, but he's going to cleanse you from that sin. So so again, there is a Godward side and there's a human side. Sometimes people just say, it's just all me. Let me just get on my hustle and grind. Please grind. Please don't ever stop grinding. But at the same time, realize there is some something called grace. There's something called mercy that will make up the difference between you and the world. Don't just, oh, oh I'm, I'm, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. But what are you doing to prepare for what God's going to do? Amen. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Highlight that. Underline that. Memorize it. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Part of our calling in life is to fellowship with Jesus. Let me say that again. Part of your calling. Sometimes people lift up their calling like it's something magnificent. Oh, I got a call on my life. They could be drunk. They could be selling drugs. God got a call on my life. Well, the first calling is to faith in Jesus. That's the first calling. First purpose is to come to Jesus. And then we can discuss your specific calling in life. All right, as, the, as, as a Christian, part of our calling is fellowship with Jesus. So it's not only a, oh, just time alone. With, this is a calling. This is the highest calling is to be with him. Before he calls you into his army, sold into his military, he calls you to be with him. Be with him. So 
Part of our calling is to fellowship with Jesus. If you're born again, you have a relationship with Jesus. Relationship is a matter of birth. Fellowship is a matter of choice. You are related to God, simply the fact that you are born again. You are his child. But that doesn't mean that you have fellowship. So when a Christian backslides, they're not, God does not disown them. He, they're just out of fellowship with him. Do you know the difference? It's one thing to be lost. That means you're not a child of God. But it's another thing to be out of fellowship with God. Come on. Don't, don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Out of fellowship. That, that you're not walking with him. You, you're out of sync with him. You, you're, you're doing things on your own. You're not heeding his wisdom. You're not spending time with him. You're not being obedient to the things that he's laid out in the scriptures or by his spirit. So relationship is a matter of birth. Fellowship is a matter of choice. You have to choose to spend time with God daily. If you aren't intentional with your time with God and with Jesus, the devil, the world, and the flesh will make sure you don't have any time with him. So you got to be intentional with your time with Jesus. You got to make time for Jesus. How many know the time will just, you'll fill up? I mean, you, you go and spend some time, and the next thing you know, the day is at, at, at the end of the day, and you're tired. Yeah, I'm tired. Jesus, I love you. And you're looking for the shortest verse. Jesus wept. I read my scripture. Shando, and I said my little tongue. I praise you. And that's it. You got you to be intentional. You got you to gotta make time for God. What did the scripture say in Matthew 6, 33? Seek first. It's not the only thing you should be seeking. But it should be the first thing that you seek. Yeah. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. All right. A couple more scriptures. Psalm 46. Alone in his presence. Alone in his presence. How to spend time with God. How to, how to worship when it's just you and him. Psalm 46 verse 10. Psalm 46, verse 10, highlight this. I'm going to make you highlight the whole Bible, right? Psalm 46, verse 10, this is one of my favorite verses. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Highlight, be still and know that I am God. The word be still, the word still in the Hebrew means to stay. Don't go anywhere. Lock in. Be still. Be quiet. Come before his presence in quietness. Be still and know that I am God. He wants to be God to you, but if you don't ever give him a chance to be God to you, he will not be God to you. He's still your father, but he wants to flex his muscle in your life. He wants to do some things in your life, but you got to allow him to do so. those things. There's some things he's going to do anyway, but there's some things that he's only going to do to those who are allowing him to do those things. Have you ever noticed there's some people God is constantly doing things for them? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't want my father doing something for my brother or my sister more than he's doing something for me. Amen. So I, I, I don't want them to have the big Jesus and I, have, I still have the small Jesus who only saves. 
God is working for people who are believing him. God, God is working for people who are spending time with him. God is working and moving in their lives more than some people who are just living life and they're passive about life and they're just passive about the Christian walk and they're just doing things naturally and not relying on him. So I'm going to talk about here are the practical things, how to spend time with God. If you're taking notes, you, you can title how to spend time with God. All right. I'm going to major on four major things. First is the word. Second is prayer. The first is the word. And I'm going to go in details with them. The second is prayer. The third is praise and worship. And the last is solitude in his presence. Solitude in his presence or quietness in his presence. All right. Let's let's tackle the first one. The word, how to spend time with God. The first place you should start is God's word. Some say, well, what, what about prayer? Shouldn't we start with prayer first, Pastor Dwayne? Some that you may, and this is not necessarily in order, but I want to submit to you that the word should be above prayer because the word instructs us how to pray. Otherwise, you're just in your emotions and just praying out of your mind, like, oh, yeah, this and this, 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 this. So start with the word. Okay, and the question may be, where do you start in the Bible? That's a great question. Well, if you're in the Bible reading plan, mm, hip, hip, it's about four chapters a day, and it's five days a week, Saturday and Sunday, you, you make up what you left off or, or go into another study. So you can start with a Bible plan. We have one at the, at the back of the church. We can email it to you. Or you can explore other Bible plans. There's some other good, great ones. Next part is you can also always start in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John speak about the life of Jesus, the life and ministry of Jesus. And so I would suggest if you want to start in the Gospels, maybe start in the Gospel of Mark, which is the shorter one of all, of all four. And then also you can start with the Gospel of John. Another thing you can do, you can add to your Bible reading plan, is you can do a proverb a day. So whatever day it is in, uh, there's 31 proverbs. So usually there's 30 to 31 days in a month. And so you have now those days is 30 days. You, you could just have to double up on one of those days. But you could read a proverb a day, um, even a psalm a day. Now, there's 115, uh, well, 150 psalms, so that's a little bit more, but you can do a psalm a day. Proverbs, a proverbs a day. Now, don't just stay in the psalms and the proverbs, and that's all your life. Oh, I read the Bible. I read your word, Lord. Okay, where did you read? Psalms and Proverbs. And then he's like, okay, did you read the other parts? <laughs> did you read the gospel? Did you read the epistles? Did you read the prophets? Did you read the law? So you got to mix it up. And so that's one thing good about the Bible reading plan. You can read through the entire Bible within a year. So let's say from here until the day you go home to be with Jesus, just make up your mind. You, every year you're going to read through the Bible. So you have all this wealth of knowledge that the Holy Spirit can pull on in a time of trouble. 
The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the word of God and you'll be able to defeat the enemy. He'll give you every aspect of life. The word of God covers every aspect of our lives. It's not going to give you specific details, but it'll give you God's general will for humanity. And the Holy Spirit will pull those scriptures together and help you defeat the enemy in a specific situation. So as you're reading through Genesis, through Revelation, God, can, God the Holy Spirit can bring to your remembrance anything from the mind of God, anything specific. God, you know, God will remind you of a story on the Old Testament and he'll, and he'll relate it to your life. And you'll see how God dealt with that person and give you specific instruction. Amen. So you, you want to read both the Old and New Testament because both Testaments the whole, is, is, is the word of God. So it's not just, let me just stay in the New Testament. It's easier to stay in the New Testament because it's easier, right? You don't have to worry about them great names. Oh, Lord. And so-and-so begat so-and-so. And, and the Le Leviticus and Song of Solomon. And what are they talking about? Lord, have mercy. They, that man is getting in. Jesus is Lord. I mean, you, you can just, but you, but you want to do both. You, you can find a book. So outside of the Bible reading program, don't limit your, pre, your study time or your reading, the meditating and studying the scripture only to your Bible plan. That's a great mistake. The enemy will trick you. Well, you read the word today. You don't need to read no more. We're talking about alone in his presence. So you want to start out reading the Bible plan or reading the gospel and adding to the proverb a day or psalm a day. Okay. On top of that, you want to find a book in the Bible and read it over and over and over again and start out with a short book. I have, there's a book called how to master the English Bible, how to master the English Bible. It's an old ancient book. It's probably in the 60s, 70s, but it's a good book. It's a short read and you can go actually on, Amazon and get it for free for the ebook. Um, it's called How to Master the English Bible. And in this book, he tells you, along with your Bible reading from Genesis to Revelation, pick a book, a small book, start out with a small book like 1 John or Philemon, one chapter, Jude, one chapter, or Colossians, four chapters. Start out with that one small book. And read it over and 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 over. So you got your daily devotions, right? Your, your reading, your Bible reading plan. Then you got your Proverbs. So we're up to five chapters. Then you got your Psalm. You got another chapter. So that's six, right? Then you got your book. Now the book that you select, you can ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. But in that book, you'll read that book. And you may stay in that book for two or three months. Just read it over and over and over. What are you doing? You're, 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 it's, you're, it's called meditation. You're going from just reading now to meditating. You're paying attention to every word that's in your English Bible. You're paying attention to every word and you're reading it over and over and over and over. And you're equipping your spirit for the Holy Spirit to give you revelation in that book. You're reading it over and over. So you take a book like Colossians and let's say you take six months 
And you read that three or four times a day. So you got your devotional time, your alone time, and then on your lunch break, you're reading it. And right before you go to bed, you read it. You may read it a little bit right before, after you get home from work and dinner, you read it. What are you doing? You're going beyond just reading the Bible. Now you're digesting the Bible. Now you're stepping into another level that most Christians that I know never get to. Don't don't get settled in knowing just a few verses, according to your favorite verses. I can do all things to Christ which strengthens me. Okay, my six year old knows that. That doesn't move God. That doesn't move mountains alone. Get into a book and read over and over again and just stay in it, and just stay in it and say, okay, I'm gonna get everything. And then after you've read it a, a significant amount of time. Then you go get your commentaries. You go and, and, and perhaps you want to read it in another translation, the NIV or the Amplified or the King James Version or the New Living Translation. You, you want to read a legitimate translation, right? Not the holy scriptures by Jehovah's Witnesses. That's not a, that's not a legitimate translation. Paraphrase by, paraphrases um, like the message Bibles, they could be good in some sense, but that's not something that should be your, your, your meat and bread. Right. That, that should just be like your candy <laughs> because it, it doesn't give a full. It's not faithful to the original text. It's just a paraphrase. Back in the day, there's, there was a translation called the Living Bible. You might know, remember this. The Living Bible. Dear friends. I'm like, <laughs> it used to, it, look it up. It was like, dear friends. Da, 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 da. And it, it made it more personal. That's nice and cute, but that's not the original translation. Okay, you have even, they have the urban or the, the ghetto. They used to, back in the day, they had a ghetto version of the Bible, a paraphrase. Yo, what's up, Lord? I'm like, no, that's not a good translation. That's a paraphrase. The message Bible is, is, is I'm not coming against, if you got your message Bible, you love the message Bible, or, you know, or whatever, I'm not coming against that. But it's not a translation. It, it is a paraphrase. All right, so use that you know, like it might give you a little insight, but it's not going to give you the word of God. So as you're reading it over and over, you read the ESV, you read CSB, which is Christian Standard Bible. You read NIV, you read um, Amplified. You, so you're reading it over and over. And then you say after two or three months of reading that book, go to a commentary like a Matthew Henry. Let's see what Matthew had to say. Don't think commentaries are God sent or are God breathed, I should say. They're just commentaries. It took me a little bit to realize, but you know, on ESPN, or you're looking at a, a game, and they commentary. They, there's some commentaries, right? They they comment they comment on the game, right? They tell you their opinions or their thoughts about the game, right? So that's what a commentary is. They're just telling you what they think about this passage. So it's not necessarily it's God inspired. It's just their thoughts or their struggle and what they got out of it. Don't live off of that. They're limited. So you, you can take that and you will get some insight depending on who's the, who's the one writing the commentary. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, thank you for that. But don't live on that. That is the aftermath because you, you want to spend time with the text itself. We're talking about being alone in his presence. That's being alone. You, you and the word. It's, it, it, there's an old song by the Nicholas talk about it's, it, it, I need a, there, I need to get away and spend some time with you. 
Just me, you, and the word. That you got to get away sometime, not sometimes, every day. Get away from the world. Get away from your spouse. Get away from your, your boyfriend, girlfriend. Get away from the cell phone. Get away from social media. Get away from the kids. You and God and his word. You got to find some time because if you don't find the time, you won't be with who God wants you to be. Everybody talking about destiny and, and it's your season. You won't have a season. Your season will come and go and you will not have everything that God had for you in that season because you never spend any time with you and God in his word. This is the treasure. This is the hiding place. David talked about a hiding place. He that dwelleth in the secret place on the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. You want to run from the enemy? This is the place to run to. You and God in his word. God, I just, I just, I love you. And so, so you, so you got that Bible reading plan. You got your little Proverbs a day, right? You got your little Psalm a day. I mean, I'm not telling you, you got to do the Proverbs and Psalm. It's just a suggestion. All right. And then you got your little book that you're reading over and over and over. Don't just, I'm going to read Jeremiah. And by the third day, you're like, Lord, the Jeremiah is long. I, I can't get through this over and over. He's talking about reading over and over 25 times. I can't get through it in two months because <laughs> it's a long book. So start with a small book. Okay. With that in mind, what do you do with the word? How, how do you? Okay. So you read it. You study it. You look up scriptures and, and you say, okay, oh, yeah, I see. That's another scripture. I remember that. And you write down certain things. But I want to submit to you, pray the Ephesians prayers. The Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 22, that's the prayer I pray every single time I preach, just about, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling, or his calling. And what is the rich, what is the... Um, um, what is the immeasurable greatness of your power towards me that believe? So you pray that because you are inviting the Holy Spirit to come and give you understanding. It is the understanding that the enemy is afraid of. It's not just the mere fact that you're reading the Bible. Reading by itself is not power. It's just reading. My six-year-old could read by himself. But it's the understanding that the enemy is afraid of. Mark 4 talks about the enemy comes and he, to, he comes what? He comes over the word to steal the word. How does he steal the word from people when they don't understand it? The ignorance is the way in which the enemy steals the word. So as you're reading as you're studying the Bible, as you're meditating the Bible, you want the Holy Spirit to give you understanding. Now, does that mean that you go ahead and read? I'm telling you, yes, go ahead and read, even if you don't understand. Well, what if, you know, you're reading through the whole Bible for the whole year and you don't understand what's happening? Read it anyway. Well, I, get, I just, I got to understand. You're not going to understand every little thing that you read. You're just not going to understand. It's going to take a lifetime. And then some. 
Okay, so don't stop because you don't understand something. What I'm saying to you to move from just reading to studying to meditating, the Holy Spirit will give you understanding. So you want to pray that Ephesians prayer. You want to read in a way I call it read, read devotionally or pray as you read. So you're reading something. Holy Spirit, help me. Remember, we talked about the Holy Spirit a couple weeks ago. Embracing the ministry of the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit for, for, for help. So as you read Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Holy Spirit, what does that, how, how, how can I apply this? I, so I'm praying about what I'm reading. I'm having, remember this? Check this out. You remember conversations? Have those conversations with God over the word. God, the Holy Spirit. Be still and know. Does that just mean just be still? Okay, I'm still. I know you're God. What, what, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit comes and says, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about quiet yourself down so that God the Father can flex his glory in your life so you can clearly get direction for your life. Be still and know. Be, stay in a place that you are aware of his presence. Don't move from that place. Open your heart and allow him to flood it with his joy. Exchange your sorrows for his joy. Ex exchange your anxiety for his peace. Exchange your poverty for his wealth. Exchange your ignorance for his knowledge. That's the, be still. Be, know that I'm God. So you, you want to pray as you're reading, as you're studying, as you're meditating. Holy Spirit, you got to help me. I, what is Paul saying? I, I have no clue what Moses is trying to convey here. What does this have to do with me in 2018? Help me to understand this for now. How can I apply this to my life? Then you want to also repent as you read because you want to see things that you're not doing like, oh, snap. Oh, forgive me, Father. Romans 13 says, oh, no man, nothing but to love him. Oh, my Jesus. Oh, no man. Oh, God, help me. I've leaned on my ability to borrow instead of trust you to provide. I repent. I turn. Repent does not mean I repent. Repent actually means to turn the opposite direction. So you don't have to cry. Now, it helps, you know, but crying is not necessary to repent. You can cry and not repent. Repentance is simply going the opposite direction. So you says, oh, um, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So I, I don't need to abuse my body with drugs. OK, I repent from that. Or I don't need to overeat. Oh, OK, I repent from that. Oh, Lord, I, you know, Lord. And repentance is not you do it again and you fall over. It's just you do the opposite. There's no coming back. I'm sorry. And every five days you, you, you're repenting. No, that's not repentance. You're sorry for that. Repentance is going the opposite direction. So you want to repent while you read. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding, illumination, revelation, and application. Let me say it again. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding, illumination, revelation, and application. 
Ask him to help you to apply what you're reading and studying to your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding, illumination, revelation, and application. Understanding, illumination, revelation, and application. You can have all the great revelation in the world, but if you can't apply it, what good is it? So how do I apply this? And this is going to tie into my next point connected with the word is you want to make a decision to obey and apply whatever you read and study and see in the word. So whatever you see in the word, you're going to apply it. Just make that decision. You're not just going to be hearers only, but you're going to be a doer because you know what the scripture says in James, right? It's the doer that is blessed and not just the hearers. All right. So that's just my first point. <laughs> the word. So you got what? Reading, studying, meditation. Meditation gets to the place where you're reading it over and over and over. That same book over and over and over and over and over. And you're going for. So somebody says this is hard work. You better believe it. <laughs> you think you're going to get the revelations of God just by skimming through the scriptures? You got to put some effort in. You got to put some time in it. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, but rightly divided, dividing the word of truth. If you can rightly divide the word, you can wrongly divide it. Have you ever seen people use scriptures? It's the, it might be the right scripture, but the wrong meaning, wrong understanding, wrong application. So, so you want to rightly. So meditation is where the gold is. Reading is to get you to where the gold is. Most Christians that I know just, they barely read the scriptures. Then you have people, and, and I was talking to Dave about this, perhaps there's people who don't know how to read that well. Well, maybe we need to do a seminar how to read well so that you can get the most out of your Bible. Okay, if, you, if you're struggling with comprehension or, or you're struggling with how do I read this really well, there's a book called How to Read a Book. Written back in the 60s and revised in the 70s. And it's, it's recommended by undergraduate students to undergraduate students as well as to graduate students. And it will help you to read your Bible well. How do, you can check it out. You don't have to spend no money on it. Just go check it out in the library. Most libraries will have this book, How to Read a Book. And it'll teach you four different levels a how to read a book. There's a seminar I used to do when I was working at this college. It's how to read a book seminar. And people are like, I don't need this. I don't need this. And they walk away from the seminar like, wow, that changed my life. Get that book so you can read your Bible well. All right. All right. Let's go to the next part. Prayer. Second part is prayer. Prayer without ceasing or prayer without stopping. Alone in his presence. Alone in his presence. So we got the word. Now we got prayer. You want to spend time speaking well of your father. 
and of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit. What is prayer? Prayer is not begging God for things, but it's actually having a, a dialogue with God. It's having a conversations with God. You are coming before his presence in prayer. You're talking to Father God in Jesus' name with the help of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me to pray effectively. I come boldly before your throne, Father, and I want to tell you, I love you. You are good. He loves to hear us brag about him. I speak well of you. You are a good father. The Bible says, don't let a man say that when he's tempted, that he's tempted of God. Don't even say that. You are well, you are God, you are awesome. I stand in awe of you. You are big, you are enormous. You are the maker of heaven and earth. He loves to hear us speaking well because I've been in the word. I know who he is. I know what he's done. I know what he's going to do. I speak well of him. I, I brag about him. I boast about him. That's prayer, right? Uh, you, so, so, so you, you come, the, Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father who are in heaven. What, what, why do you got to say in heaven? You're recognizing who, where he's at. I recognize that you, heaven is your throne and the earth is your footstool. What, what does that do for me? That makes him big in my mind. The Bible says, let us, let us magnify, come and let us magnify the Lord together. So how do you magnify someone who's already big? Well, you really can't. But a magnifier glass makes that thing bigger to you. So when you magnify God, you make him big in your life. Acts 4, they, they, Lord, you, you're, the, you're the, I'm paraphrasing, you're the Lord of the ecosystem. I speak well of you. You, you rule heaven and earth. And then by the time they got to their problems, they realized how small their problems were compared to their God. So you don't come, Lord, you know, I got this. this, this. And so what, what, what happens when you do that? You make the problems that really big. And then you say, Lord, I guess you're worthy. You can do it if you want. But you come and you say, God, you are so awesome. You may, you are very detailed as it relates to Noah. So you, you are concerned about the details of my life. You, you are concerned about that which concerns me. You, you're going to perfect that which concerns me. You are, you know my heart. You know my physical heart. You know the blood cells. You know how many hairs I have on my head. You know my, my past, my present, and my future. You know the deep, you know my, the intents of my heart. You know me better than myself. I mean, you go and talk like that. And then you say, Lord, now this cancer, this shouldn't be because you made this body. You are the solution for cancer. One, 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 all you got to do is just look towards cancer and it melts in your presence. Amen. Right, right. So that's, so so you speak well of him in prayer. Um, Another thing is you decide what you want from God. So before, so part of the word time is you find scriptures to, to support what you desire of God. What is it that you want from God? Well, I, 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 need, I need a new car. So find scriptures that will support that desire. Philippians 4.19, um, Mark 11.24, um, Matthew 6.33, Psalm 23 verse 1, Psalm 37 verse 4. 
you, 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 you present that and say, God, you said in your word, what sort of things I desire when I pray, believe that I receive it, I shall have it. So I desire a new car. Now be more specific. What kind? What kind of car you want? I want the new Avalon 2019. What color? I want blue. What, what do you want in it? I want an old-fashioned CD in it, and I want to be able to do Bluetooth as well. Um, also, Father, I want it to be paid for in full. I don't want to take out any loans for it. I'm specific. You said in your word, oh, no man nothing but to love them. And you said that the borrower is a slave to the lender. And I don't want to be a slave to these people and pay double for this car. So Father, this car costs $45,000. And Father, I, you said in your word that I, I can speak a thing and, and I can decree a thing and it shall come to pass. And Job, you said that. And so Father, I'm saying right now that I believe I receive $45,000 in Jesus' name. And I claim it, Father. And I thank you for it. And every time I go into his presence, I thank him for that car. I thank you, Lord. I don't ever go back and pray about it again. I offer up thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you. I praise you and I worship you, Jesus. I thank you. Whenever, and if you don't think about it again, you don't deserve it. See to it that you think about it. If it's important to you, you'll remember, I need this car. I'm not doing it just for my own grief, but you said whatsoever things I ask in your name, you'll do it. So I take you at your word. Decide what you want. Search the scriptures to see what God says about your desires and present it to him in prayer with his word supporting it. Then thank him for what you're believing him for. Faith is thanking God for something that you don't see before you see it. If you'll thank God long enough before you for something before you see it, eventually you'll see it. Let me say that again. If you thank God for something before you see it long enough, eventually you'll see it. Maybe it's for things or directions that are, that are unclear. Spending time asking him for his desires, his will, his kingdom, his righteousness, submitting your will to him. So part of my prayer time, I need to submit to his will. I submit my desires to you. So before you get to what you desire, Lord, your desire be in my heart. May I fulfill your desires, your dream, your vision, and so forth. Okay, I told you to be specific about it. Ask in faith, ask in boldness, ask out of love for him and for his people. It doesn't matter if it's small or big. God isn't afraid of your wants. Let me say that again. This is worth you driving all the way across towns, different little small towns, townships to come here. God is not afraid of your desires. God is not afraid of your wants. If you, if you can get God on, your, on the level of your desires, you'll destroy your, your, your needs. God will fulfill your desires, but your desires must be in line with his will. That's what the word comes in. Recently, um, three times, three times I was coming to the church, three different times, not this last time, not the last two times, but three times in the last week and a half, I came to the church throughout the week and I asked the Lord, check this out. Y'all going to be like, "Woo!" I asked the Lord, Lord, I'm asking for a parking space right in front of of the church. Yes. David was my witness on Friday. I just, I just muttered the prayer. I said, God, I should have prayed that way back in exit five. <laughs> so you had time to work, right? <laughs> Thinking that God is limited by time, right? And so I asked the Lord, David's my witness. As I pulled up, the car was pulling out. <laughs> and I parked right behind the handicapped lady who never moves. I parked right behind her. And I say, Lord, and the Holy Spirit says, thank, thank Father for that. 
I got comfortable because that was the third time that, that something like that happened. And, and, and Holy Spirit says, thank, thank Father God for that. He reminded me, don't get cocky now. He did that for you. So thank him. Holy Spirit will remind you to thank God for stuff that you just, oh, that's, that's just, you know, the norm. It's not the norm. You might think it's a coincidence, but I've been here where you go driving around a couple of times hoping somebody moves. <laughs> I've been here. I've been done that several times. And I was like, whoa, that's a little, that's a small prayer. How much more? A big prayer. Yes. Learn the art of asking. Learn the art of believing God for the impossible. Just little stuff. I'm telling you, he, he, will, he knows how to even fulfill a little small desire. And he knows how to be, to fulfill a large desire. Amen. One last testimony. I asked for a painless surgery. And God granted it to me. They went through my sinuses and sucked the demonic disease out. And it was painless. It was sore. I'm not saying it wasn't sore. I ain't going to tell you, oh, I had no soreness. I had soreness. I had blood for days. Some of y'all got the text, the blood. <laughs> and, um, and then a couple weeks ago, the guy went in and he, and I said, God, I, my wife was there. Declan was there. And I said, God, um, they're about to go down and, and, and suck some stuff out, debris. I'm asking you for no pain. And guess what? There was no pain. I'm going back tomorrow, so I'm praying the same thing. <laughs> uh, there was no pain, but there was un I was uncomfortable. Think about this long thing down your nose. And you're like, I mean, all the way to your back. You're like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I love you. Jesus is real. I need you, Jesus. Of course, they did numb it, and that helped too. <laughs> so together with the power of prayer and that numbness, there was no pain, but just uncomfortable. God will make you uncomfortable, all right? I'm not saying you, you're not going to ever not, oh, I'm not going to be uncomfortable. No, that, that's just part of life. Okay. Also in prayer, now, now I talked about to cover you individually, but don't forget about praying for others. Don't make, don't make your prayer life a selfish prayer life. You got to pray for others. The Bible tells us in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 5, to pray for kings and those in authority. Pray for others, intercession, supplication, giving thanks. you got to pray for others. Pray for your brothers and sisters in here. Right now, start praying for the Baskervilles for a wonderful delivery. No complications. Thank you for... They'll, they'll, after the baby gets home, they'll be able to sleep for days and rest it. And there, there's no lack you, you remember, you sow seeds and not just financial seeds, but you can sow prayer seeds. How many know y'all? We need some prayer seeds. I want to I want other people to be praying for me when I'm going through or when I'm about to go through a big deal. Pray. sow prayer seeds. Pray, pray, continue to pray for Lachey concerning the loss of her father. Praying those seeds because one day you're going to lose somebody. If you live long enough, you're going to lose somebody. More than somebody's. You're going to lose a lot of people. One person, I'll never forget, we were with this couple when we first got married. And the guy, he was a little older. He says, I only got a cousin. You remember this? I only have a cousin left. His mom and dad were gone. and Brothers and sisters. And, I mean, just uncles and stuff. He's just, it's just me and my cousin that lives across the country. I'm like, whoa. Like, you don't have no immediate family, relatives. That's serious. 
So don't forget to buy, praying for others, sowing those seeds. Okay, I'm going to have to stop. My time is over. So we're going to continue this part two next week, and then we'll do family, family worship. Amen. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I pray that this week, this week, starting tonight, today, that we won't miss our appointment with you. Alone in your presence. Alone in your presence. For in your presence there is fullness of joy and riches or pleasures forevermore. We long to be with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, Contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.